Ramsey ranges away, and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy, and there's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, here we go. Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys, Episode 2. We are surrounded by French fries, which, Joe, is a, a dream come true. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, you go from the, the chill of New York to the hot, boiling deep fryer of the garlic fries. No doubt, no doubt. Well, into the boiler goes uh, goes Anthony DiSclefani. The uh, the series against the Mets is done, and, uh, and the Giants got it handed to them a little bit. They lose three out of four. It's not really a shame situation. Uh, the Mets are good. You know, if you look around the league, there are a couple of teams pitching their you-know-what's off. The Giants are definitely one of them. So are the Mets. So they get it handed to them a little bit, but we got to dive right into one of the few, if not only, concerns with the pitching staff out of the gate is Anthony DiSclefani. He, he does not look like um, he, he, like he's hitting his spots exactly right. The, uh, the And again, it was never dominant last year, but the steadiness that he sort of brought outside of pitching against the Dodgers that he brought last year is, is not there right now and the biggest sort of concern I think that makes you feel a little bit funny in your belly when you see that is not so much uh you know can he figure it out this year do they have the depth to deal with it but they signed him to a three-year deal and uh they've avoided that with just about everybody but Anthony's got it and and he doesn't look right yeah, I mean, Farhan's been very discerning on who he gives the multi-year deals to and, and how many years he gives these guys to them. So I didn't love the way he finished the season last year, especially against your rival, the Dodgers, who you're going to face a gazillion times. Um, but I was okay with him coming back this year on, on a multi-year deal. Three's probably a little rich. I mean, two years I would have been happy, but I feel like I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm splitting ends here. I just don't like the way he looks right now. Command-wise, he's leaving balls over the plate and getting hit hard. The two early solo jobs kind of did him in. He right now is the weakest link on the staff, but he looked fantastic in spring training. Yeah. So I'm going to pump the brakes a little and, and wait for a couple of more starts before I really start to panic on him. What about you? No doubt. I mean, I will point out that that Francisco Lindor home run, you know, you mentioned the two early bombs. Yeah. This is going to be just a little shred of positivity in the midst of what was a difficult start. That home run by Francisco Lindor. Get this. The first home run allowed by the Giants pitching staff in 10 days. Okay. The season has just started. They are 13 games in. They had gone 10 days since letting the ball leave the yard. So clearly this is a philosophy. I, I, you know, you've got to go execute it, Mm -hmm. but the game has changed so much in recent years. And to me, this is one of the headlines. Um, I think behind closed doors, it's one of the things the Giants say to each other. Here's the deal. We keep the ball in the yard more as a pitching staff than the other team does. We're going to win. You're watching it with their team batting average. It's never going to be good again. They're going to hit 220 yeah. or whatever, but they hit the ball out of the yard. Hard to do in frigid New York in April, um, but you know, e- e- even in this series, they had a few moments. 
they're going to, as the weather gets warmer, they're going to hit more home runs than the opposition. And I think that's their philosophy. So even though it, it, it wasn't good in game four against the Mets, that was kind of a silver lining. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They hadn't let an opponent in a homer in 10 days. That statistic blows me away, especially considering you had a doubleheader and you had a bunch of arms being used in that game because Cobb went out early. Logan Webb takes his first L in what feels like a year, maybe more. 24 starts. 24 starts. And people are losing their minds. He gave up three runs over almost four innings. Like It's not like he got shelled like Otani did a week ago for nine over two. So I think everybody needs to relax. They've won three out of four series. And this Mets series, to me, I actually come away feeling encouraged because the pitching staff absolutely battled, and it feels like this team just needs to break out with runners in scoring position. And I I believe that's going to come, Mark. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, uh, you have to work hard right now, I think, to Mm -hmm. find concerns with the pitching staff. There just aren't that many of them. Disclafani is one of them. If you want to talk about Doval's control, Jake McGee's velocity, I mean, these are things that, that, that are obvious and aware of, but but honestly, there has been so much good. Can we talk about Carlos Rodon for a second? Oh, my gosh. Do you I call mean, this? There's two pieces of Carlos Rodon. I mean, there's the obvious. There's the dominance and the strikeouts. Yes. But can I talk about the piece that I love the most? It's not even just like 29 Ks in his first three starts. It's also the look on his yes. face. I mean, this man – The Giants for years have been a team that sort of suffers from like guys look like they're just like, just blah, like bopping around. Right. Remember when we were like, they need Pablo Sandoval is the only guy with a personality. This is something that's really welcome on this club. You got the energy of a Jock Peterson Mm -hmm. and the intensity of a Carlos Rodon. I watch Rodon pitch. I immediately think postseason. What what is that going to look like? A bulldog with an intimidating face in the postseason. As long as they monitor his innings pitched, because yeah. yesterday he he pitched so many pitches before he even got to the fifth inning. It was like, ah, and then that's a team, the Mets. They're going to take a lot of pitches. I mean, yep. they are built for the postseason. Marte and Lindor, you reference, and Pete Alonso. That's a killer lineup, no doubt about it. Here's the thing I love about it. He doesn't nibble. Like, how many times have we had these lefties that kind of nibble, you know, Bumgarner notwithstanding? He doesn't nibble, and yes, the moxie. Here's the thing I love, not just about Rodon, but in general when we're talking pitching staff, the maturation process behind the dish of Joey Bart. He threw out Marte first and third last night with two outs, and Marte, I think, uh, had had a record at one point last year for most stolen bases in a month by a guy who's been traded, some crazy number. He gets a great jump. And Bart just mows him down. But the uh, the synergy between the two of them, where Rodon didn't have the mechanics going, and Bart calls timeout as a rook, goes out there, calms him down, and then Rodon just throws a strikeout on the very next pitch. That's the little things that I know Joey Bart's arrived. Well, and, and speaking of looks on people's faces, did you catch Bart when he was walking back to the dugout after he nailed him? He was great. Like, he was just like, I'm going to wipe my nose, like whatever. Like, I'm going to like, he was not surprised. He was not fired up. Yeah, he looks like a big leaguer. And I know his batting average is, is, is down. It's, first of all, batting averages, stats, stuff like that early. Uh, there's going to be highs and, and lows. I don't think Joey Bart is ever going to be a guy who hits too far north of, of 250. That's probably not his game. But you're right. If he can handle the staff, mm-hmm. if he can play good defense, if he can supply power, and hit 240, 250, sign me up. I'm ready to go. 
Remember in 2020 when he got crossed up and then called off, shaken off by yeah. Cueto like 8,000 times in a handful of starts? That's not the kid that I'm seeing right now. And then the at-bats, for me, they just look good. They look professional. He has the moxie. Because to me, the biggest hole heading into the season was Buster Posey. Now, he's never going to replace Buster, hmm. but I think they've really developed this guy in a short period of time. I'm feeling really good about him and what he's done with this staff. He deserves credit. Yeah, no, no question. For me, like this is, I'll, I'll just sort of wrap it up in one sense. He looks like a big leaguer. Yes. You know, like when, when, when you get there, think of a quarterback in the NFL, when they've got happy feet, you can tell the game's just moving really, really fast. Um, obviously, baseball doesn't move that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can tell when somebody is emotionally feeling a little overwhelmed or frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there were times when he kept hitting the wall instead of getting his first home run. You know, in the in that 2020 season, yes. there were times where it just he, he looked frustrated and you could tell you're like, it's too soon. It's too soon for this kid. Yeah. I have not felt that at any point in, in this first handful of games. Doesn't look too soon for Joey Barty. Looks ready to go. And and they have a multiplicity of arms, velocities, and arm angles coming out of that bullpen. And I haven't seen any loss behind the plate defensively. Like, Buster is a Hall of Fame, gold glove level defensive catcher. I haven't seen a precipitous drop-off with him back there. You got submariners. You got lefties blowing 95 in Garcia. You got Brebia up there throwing the kind of a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. McGee can be wild. Mechanically, Doval's a little off right now. But I feel like the kid back there has been a really good backstop. So I'm really encouraged with him. Well, important to note also, I want to point out that last season, which was so, so epically amazing, 107 wins. Mm -hmm. If you go back to this time last year, a lot of what ended up developing hadn't developed yet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they blew that game in Seattle right out of the gate. They went to San Diego. They were able to kind of hang in there. But the bullpen rolls were all over the place. Little did we know that in the next couple of months, we'd get our first taste of a Camilla Doval and then see what he would become down the stretch. Brebbia hadn't come up yet. Dominic Leone hadn't come up yet. Another name. Uh, there, there were a number. We remember, oh gosh, yeah. is Tyler Rogers going to be your closer? He can't strike <laughs> anybody out. Yes, there was Jake McGee and he was dominant, but so much of that developed. I want to point out that look at the way it looks to start the year totally this year. Agree. Like they've they've got some things that took a while to develop last year that are already in place to start the year. I'm a big believer that a bullpen needs defined roles. And even though the Giants are like, well, we're not going to tell you who our closer is, and one day it might be Duvall, one day it might be McGee, that's fine. One day it might be Tyler Rogers, but that is their role. Yes. What that is, those are late-inning guys. Uh, it took a while last year. This year, I feel like this group, they know who's who. Alvarez and Garcia mm-hmm. – you're going to get the lefties, Brebia, mm-hmm. Leon. You guys are going to handle sixth and seventh. It, it just feels more solidified out of the gate. I think that's going to pay off for him. Yeah, and Tyler Rogers feels like he's picking up right where he left off last year, which is a great sign. And McGee, Doval, whether it's closer by committee, like at this point, I, I just think they, they just play the matchups the way they've been doing it and go with who's hot, who's available. You know, they don't want to pitch anybody three days in a row. That was kind of their mantra last year. So, like, do you have any specific thoughts on who the closer should be every single day or do you no. like what they've done thus far? No, I mean, I think that's part of what this group earned last year is the right for us to say, you know what, like we're going to judge you on the back end and not on the yeah. front end. Yeah, You know, they're smart. Whatever they did, it usually worked. Um, I mean, Bruce Bochy came on 
uh, our show a couple of weeks ago and, and said something that I'll never forget. He, he was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like the fact that everybody thinks that I just went from the hip and went with my gut, you know, uh, Bruce Bochy, I use analytics all the time. Like, he, he wanted data too. He wasn't just like, boy, let me, uh, let me, let me look into my crystal ball and put a hat on. And I think I'll go with AFL. No, like he had the data too. This group knows exactly what they want to do in situations. They're human beings. The players are, so it's not going to work out every time, but, but no mix match, be ready, have depth. If, if something's not working, be ready to go to the next. They're going to need to do that uh, really soon here because of the double header yeah. and, and the potential injury to Alex Cobb. Like, I, I mean, I imagine with the series in, in Washington, you're going to get a starting pitcher that, that has not started a game yet. We're going to get somebody else in there. Logan exactly. Webb's not ready to go Saturday, so someone's probably coming up. So that depth will get tested, and this is their calling card. There's no doubt about it. And as we look at just kind of the everyday lineup, I know there's some other players that we're going to get to later on here, but the guy that I feel actually really good coming out of the Mets series is, is Mikey Stremski. Uh, he started yeah. off the season kind of on a deep freeze, and you're wondering, wow, is is, is it just the league is adjusted to him and, and he hasn't adjusted back? Because the guy in 2019-2020 was awesome, and, and, I, and I, I didn't – think that that was a mirage i thought that he was a real legit ball player not that he's a superstar or even a bona fide all-star but just a really good baseball player it's good to see his bat hot right now mark yeah well and i love the way he started the game i want to point to one other thing that i think has been an under discussed characteristic of this particular the 2022 giants is uh, they have suddenly decided. Remember the whole like, don't bunt. You're taking the bat out of the hand. <laughs> They're like, you're shifting. I love it. Boop! I mean, how many? Yaz did it. it to start off the mm -hmm. game. Belt has been doing more of it. Jock Peterson famously over there at Machado, um, you know, when the Padres were playing. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. They're going to constantly put pressure on the defense. And, uh, and and they've clearly been working on that in the cage. No doubt. And they've got two guys right now who I thought would be contributors early on in Lamont Wade and Evan Longoria that haven't even played yet. So I'm, I'm very encouraged after the first four series. I, I don't know how you can't be optimistic. A lot of the things that we were foretelling before the season started have come to fruition, and some of the flaws aren't as bad as I thought. You forget about Lamont Wade. I know. I mean, you forget, right? I, I mean, yeah, that, that left-handed outfield reinforcement, first base reinforcement, um, in theory, he's uh, he's coming very, very soon. And um, with all the, right. the Duggar oblique injury, it's like almost uh, weird timing, isn't it? Yeah, the timing could uh, could line up good if Lamont can get himself going here soon. Um, Mark Willard, Joe Shasky, Garlic Fries, and Baseball Guys, if you like what you are hearing, we invite you to subscribe to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast feed. All right, three up, three down, three players. We really like what we're seeing uh, from so far, and then three players where maybe we're looking for something a little bit different. Um, how are you feeling? You want to start with up or down? I'm going to start up because okay. this is your guy. This is your account, and I'm late to this account. I admit this on the front end. What about your boy, Brandon Belt? Are you kidding me? Let me I'm read in. some of these numbers. He Heading into today, he was obviously slashing 275, 396, 600, 
four home runs in 40 at-bats. He's on a 50 home run pace. I don't think he's going to maintain that. But just early returns two weeks in, not only are they managing his games played properly and the matchups against who the pitcher is on the on the mound, his bat just looks quick through the zone, and he looks totally different character-wise. Like He looks so confident as a human right now. I'm so happy for him, and for him to hit that home run on his birthday, just Brandon Belt, he's way, way up. Um, look, this is something that triggers me here a little bit. I need to just look right into the eyes of every Giants fan who's been around for a number of years and listen to these words. The belt wars are over. They are over. If you were on the other side of Brandon Belt, stand up, raise your hand, and say I was wrong. It's okay. We're all wrong sometimes in life. But this guy, and you know where, where credit is due beyond obviously just Brandon himself. Absolutely. I mean, Brandon, Brandon is hung in through these uh, wars, and I get it. He gets injured a lot, and and uh, and that frustrates people, and and that's fair. The body is is getting older, and sometimes you don't like the look on his face. He doesn't look like he's this, that, or the other. Can we give another shout to Farhan Zaidi, Gabe Kapler, uh, the whole staff, uh, because – they came in right away and said, we value what Brandon does. Mm -hmm. And that was at a time where people who were against Brandon Belt thought that they were winning the Belt Wars, right? Like, that was at a time where, like, hey, you know, I mean, this guy, we need a first baseman who's going to hit more home runs. Mm -hmm. They came in and said, the guy has the best eye in Major League Baseball. He's an elite defender at first base. Um, maybe they even saw that he had some leadership qualities. I'm all in on this captain thing. Some people think it's campy. I think with Buster Posey leaving, Joe, it's exactly what this team needs right now. Some people blossom at different ages. I mean, like, you know, I, the guy I am today at 39 isn't the dude I was at 24, 26. You know, you you mature, you evolve. Look, all credit to him. You, you talked about the staff and them working with him. I think for an old dog to learn new tricks, he deserves a ton of credit as well because he's made like simple adjustments. He's hitting that inside pitch and driving it really far. He's taking the away pitch if you're shifting and he'll drop a bunt just to keep you honest. Like, I'm sorry. If this is the Brandon Belt moving forward, how can you be against this guy? I love what I'm seeing. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Oh, he's been the centerpiece of the team so far, and, and he was down the stretch yes. uh, last year as well. I do think, like, stats got lost because he missed time again last year. But, I mean, in limited duty, 29 home runs. 97 games. 29 home runs yeah, last in 97 year. games. Yeah, yeah. And you Incredible. said he's on a 50-homer pace right now. So, yeah, man, Brandon Belt is definitely up. Um, on the other side, let's give you one that's down, and that is uh, Mauricio Dubon. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen, uh, Gabe Kapler backed him again at the end of the Mets series uh, because he comes in when Steven Duggar gets hurt and with a two-strike count, goes up there and tries to bunt. Now, Gabe said after the game that, listen, we support it. The chances of you coming in cold off the bench and getting a hit there are not good. So you're trying to surprise the Mets. Okay, maybe that's the case. Gabe Kapler has now had to back Mauricio Dubon in a post-game press conference twice, uh, 13 games into the mm -hmm. season. Joe, what do you think here? I had a buddy, good buddy, reach out to me yesterday and goes, is it me or has Dubon not played since the bunt incident against San Diego? So I looked it up. Here's the fact. He played he the played next the day. the very next yes. day. And got a hit Brandon, in the first half. Brandon Crawford getting hurt. Yes. He played the very next day, and that was it. 
Wow. Has not appeared in a game since then until being forced into duty huh. with Steven Duggar getting hurt in the middle of an at-bat. What's your read on that? I mean, I think that there's layers to this. I mean, we had so many debates on Kapler coming out and defending him. What was the conversation in the dugout during the game? What was the conversation with Kapler and Bo Mel the very next day? Look, the reality is, is that Mauricio Dubon more resembles Kelby Tomlinson than he does Robbie Thompson, right? I mean, he's he's probably a fringe major leaguer at best, and I don't think that's a, a mean thing to say. I think that's the realistic assessment. Here's where I get frustrated with Mauricio Dubon. He doesn't really have a position on the infield specifically. He's not really a backup shortstop, nor is he a second or third baseman, because I don't think he has the arm for that. And then in the outfield, he takes bad angles, you know, and, and they have so many outfielders. He just doesn't hit. Mark, I, I, I just – I don't want to crush the guy on the way out the door. Right. The uh, self-awareness with the whole bunt situation, I feel like it might have sealed his fate, and they brought up Ramos as a little taste. Got a feeling we're going to go back to the well with Ramos at some point. Well, we'll see. I mean, Dubon does give you um, some versatility to be all uh, on the infield or the outfield. He does not have any options left. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this one sort of plays out. I just think – you know, Joe, we here in the Bay Area like to think that we're pretty smart. Yeah. And therefore, we like to watch athletes who who look smart mm -hmm. on, on the field. And there are plenty of them. I mean, look, look at, you know, take a Draymond Green with the Warriors. Like, yeah. this guy's a savant. Mauricio, man, I mean, I've talked to him. I don't think he's not a smart. He is a smart guy. Mm -hmm. But there are too many baseball mental errors, seemingly. Seemingly. Again, Gabe keeps backing him. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's, um, maybe that, maybe he was sent out there to do that, but there are too many times base running mistakes yes. where it feels like he's not playing intelligent ball. Opening night, I mean, opening day, whatever it was, you know, the extra innings, he's the extra runner or the ghost runner, whatever they're calling it these yeah. days. And he gets thrown off the bases in that situation. Like, you just can't do that. There there are certain things that I call dugout sins. You know, I'm walking back into the dugout and forgive me, Father, for I have sinned and, and I've let the team down. And that's what he's guilty of sometimes. And one, two a month, okay. It seems like there's one or two a game for him, unfortunately. I just think he's the odd man out once they get, you know, a full roster. Okay, three up, three down. Let's go to another up. I'm giving yeah. it to one of the new guys. Um, he is hitting 297. Oh. He has already pumped three over the wall, which is exactly what he's here to do, even if he's somewhat of a platoon player. Uh, but welcome home, Jock Peterson. The early oh. returns are really, really good, right? And it's not just production um, as far as uh, extra base hits, even though that's the main thing. But can I get a little something for the energy, the yes. smile, um, the, the swagger? How about, how about uh, the socks? The weird-looking 1992 pants sock thing he's got going. Jock does not care how he looks. And I don't mean <laughs> that in a bad way, but he's just like – I'm going to do this with my hair. I'm going to do yes. that over there with my socks. I'm going to do this with the way I blouse my jersey. I'm going <laughs> to sort of swing like it's a beer league softball game. Yes. But, man, it fits. It fits because so many things fit in the Bay. But, uh, uh, you know, a kid who grew up here who clearly is having a blast being a giant. And, and then if you go out there and produce the way he has, he, you know, he set the tone in many ways early mm -hmm. in the Cleveland series. Uh, by getting things going with his bat. So, um, you know, this was a one-year, $6 million signing at the 11th hour, and, and look at the dividends already.
No, I love them, and and they need an injection of fun. I mean, let's be quite frank here. The team can be boring at times with some of the uh, the old schools, like Brandon Crawford. He looks sexy. He doesn't necessarily like scream and yell and do the goofy things that fans love. How about the catch from Jock the other night in left field, and then he like makes it like an NFL. Yeah, I caught that. That's that's two feet inbounds. Like it's the little subtle things like that that I love about him, and he gives me Matt Stairs vibes at the plate. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna put both booty cheeks into it. I I'm all here for the Jock Peterson experience, and I'm telling you, the look is incredible. It's not knee high. And it's not all the way down Barry Bonds baggy pants style. It's like somewhere in between where you see just enough sock. I don't know. It's it's calf length. It's incredible to look. I mean, you know the bug in Men in Black where the guy, it's almost <laughs> like, right, the clothes and the skin are all just kind of hanging in a weird way. I mean, I might start calling Jock the bug, man. I'm I like, like Everything's that. just kind of, it I just like doesn't, that. it doesn't look normal, but man, it works. And, and you're right. Yeah, it's fun. And, and there needs to be more of that, right? Yes. We love that. Play with joy. Play with joy. Steph Curry, play with joy, man. And he he does that, doesn't take it too seriously, and uh, and that's fun to watch. Let me give you one of these guys that I'm, I'm just slightly down on. And, and I love the guy overall. I think he's really young, but <sighs> – Something's a little off right now, and, and I'm going to get to him in a second here. It's Camillo Duvall. Uh, the, the young man was just an absolute comment at the end of last year. The final month of this season, he was unhittable. He looked really good at times in the playoffs, and then game five came around. He lost control. I, I don't know what it was. Fastball, he just did not trust. He went slider, 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 eventually hanging one. Bellinger rips it. It seems like as the season has progressed early on here, he does not trust the fastball and he's slider heavy and he can't get it over in certain situations and guys are either waiting on it or he's not getting it over for a strike. I'm going to file this under early season young player mechanics, but it is something that I'm going to be monitoring and I'm a little worried about Duvall right now. Yeah. I mean, we have to remember how young he is and that a year ago we had still never even heard of him exactly. last April. Right. And so um, you know, doing it on the regular, uh, being the ninth inning guy at, at this age, a lot is being thrown on his plate. So uh, I'm here for the Camilo Duvall experience, but I hear you. It's 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 frightening when you have a good team, mm -hmm. and let's let, let's call it what it is. The Giants are going to be involved in one run games all yeah. the time, and so whoever's handling your ninth inning, I mean, Joe, we're all in the building. That that opening day, I mean, it almost got ruined. It all, I mean, that was, it was like what a perfect day. It was seventy five degrees. Yes, you know, speaking of garlic fries, I mean, it just the smell is taking over the day. The optimism coming out there and just rolling through the Marlins, mm -hmm. and then watching it dissipate in the ninth inning with your young star or exciting closer mm -hmm. was deflating. Thank goodness for Tyro Estrada. Thank goodness the Giants ended up figuring it out. But, yeah, I think there's going to be some bumps early. I'm still high on the guy. Me too. Uh, you know, once once he gets going. But but you point to that control. The control's got to be so good for him. He's got to pitch ahead in the count. Yeah. For me, the most important pitch for him is strike one. Totally. If, if he gets that hitter in an 0-1 count, that hitter's in trouble. But he just hasn't refined it yet. Yeah, I I worry about guys that have those moments in the playoffs, especially the young guys coming back the next year. Like you never know how much of that can kind of not mentally ruin a guy, but just it's, it's there. It's that scar tissue. You know, Brad Lidge, that ball still hasn't landed from the playoffs, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so I look at the young man and I say, 
pick and choose the spots, Giants. Let's be delicate with this one. Let's not be stubborn. Let's let's build up his confidence a little and let's work on him. Remember this, Giants fans. Trevor Hoffman didn't have his first 40 game season, 40 save season until he was like 27, 28 years old. Mariano Rivera, 27, 28 years old. Brian Wilson didn't have 40 saves until he was 26 years old. These things take time in the bullpen. It's like a quarterback. You don't just all of a sudden become a closer. You grow into the position. So I think we all, me included, just need to be patient with the young man as he kind of learns on the fly. Three up, three down. We got one more of each. Let's yeah. go to one more up, and I think it's an obvious pick. Oh. It is Carlos Rodon, and this guy is electric. We talked about the look on his face. Um, you know, you had a stat on your show. What was it? First three starts as a giant. This yeah. is the most strikeouts since Christy Mathewson. Uh, 1908, Christy Mathewson started Man. the season. Yeah, back, back when I was playing. In 1908, <laughs> 30 strikeouts. Well, Carlos Rodon just did something that no one's done in 112 years, 214 years, struck out 29. 29 guys through his first three starts. And it's just the moxie, Mark. I mean, the moxie from this guy is incredible. Absolutely. You know, and we're, we're also, I mean, we're talking about his depth into games. I want to mention this real quick. Don't worry about that. First of all, three starts in, he's only two thirds of an inning short of what Logan Webb has done. Exactly. So the depth in games, uh, we have to, as baseball fans, change the way we look at that. I know that we want guys to go seven, eight, nine. It's very, very rare now in today's baseball, number one. Number two, if you're going to strike out a lot of people, it's going to take a lot of pitches, yes. right? Like the way you go deep into a game is you get guys out on one or two pitches. He doesn't do that a lot because these guys can't hit him. And lastly, you want him to pitch the full year. Yeah. This is a guy with an injury history. This is a guy who was losing velocity toward the end of the year last year. And the Giants are going to be aware of that. I'm okay with them every time. Every time you're like, uh, should we should we push it one more inning? No, no. Put him on the bench and make sure he's there for game one or game two in October. Through eight days of baseball, eight days, only one pitcher in all of baseball had gone into the eighth inning. His name was Logan Webb. Baseball's changed, everyone, okay? The days of guys going into the seventh and eighth inning, those are those are beyond us, especially with a shortened spring training. All right, let's get to our, our one down before we before we transition here. Uh, the last guy, I mean, it's got to be Di Sclafani. I mean, yeah. right now, I'm, I'm really worried about where he's at. It's, it's not the end of the world. I'm monitoring the situation. He needs to bounce back. The velocity's there. He's just hanging pitches right now. And of the elite starting pitching that they have going – He's clearly the weak link right now. Well, give me give me the out pitch for Anthony DiSclefani. We can go to so many pitchers on this team and tell you about the pitch yeah, that pays ball. the bills, right? Logan yeah. Webb and the changeup, uh, Rodon and, and the fastball, Doval and the fastball, Cobb, his fastball. Look at Alex Wood, the way he pitches to lefties and, and, and the slider and the way he changes mm -hmm. speeds. Di Sclafani, it's like he's the one who's got to be so perfect with his location because if his location is not there, those pitches sit. And 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 again, you know, you're talking about someone who in the in the uh, in the start against the Mets gives up two early home runs. Yeah, the Giants have made uh, made it very clear what they're telling their pitchers: keep the ball in the ballpark. 
but you can see it when those pitches are not in the exact spot they need to be. If he's just a little bit off, mm-hmm. man, they're hangers. Yeah, and and for him, fastball, curveball. I felt like that was kind of his bread and butter last year, and he can't locate either of them right now. And when he does, he's leaving it way over the zone. The other part of this is, guys, the New York Mets hit the ball like newsflash. This is going to be a team that's competing for a playoff spot. That series felt much more like August and September, and dare I say October, than it did April. Before we get to some bigger issues for the entire season, our reaction to the offseason with the San Francisco Giants, uh, we want to remind you to subscribe to Garlic Fries Mm -hmm. and Baseball Guys on the podcast feed. Subscribe, rate, review, share, do all of that with Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. All right, let's get into some of the view from 10,000 feet kind of stuff. I mean, for me, one of the main things to think about is we all had our off-season opinion of what the Giants did or didn't do. Um, but you have to uh, review that opinion as any fan once you then see them play. Mm-hmm. So the Giants didn't make a big splash in free agency other than Rodon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously that one has been a perfect hit. Um, their biggest offensive addition – was Jock Peterson. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody who probably could have made three up in three up and three down that we didn't mention, it's Tyro Estrada. I love him. Right? Who's somebody who they said, this guy needs a bigger role. Mm -hmm. The Giants kind of made their fans feel like, oh, the Dodgers can do their thing. We're just going to run it back, which was not comfortable in the offseason. I mean – I I think it feels better now than it did two weeks ago, doesn't it? Mark, as someone who falls for the banana and the tailpipe signing every offseason, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that wants Bryce Harper. I'm the guy that wants the big, splashy new car. All right, I freely admit this. I was panicking about second base, outfield, all these things. And you know what? Farhan's done it again. And believe me, I'll panic again come trade deadline time. I know who I am as a Giants fan. But this Tyro Estrada acquisition, I mean, Listella with the Achilles, he was great down the stretch last year. He's not available right now. Estrada has been outstanding. I mean, his defense going left, going right, turning two. Obviously, the bat is there. That's a plus for me. Donnie Barrels just a couple of years ago, I thought that was, wow, that's a Farhan find. Why do I think Estrada is a more complete baseball player and actually a better fit for what this team needs right now? Well, like, he's got, yeah, he's he looks got great. more power. Yeah, yes. he's 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 got more power. And and actually, even though I don't think he's perfect defensively, he's, he's better. He's, he's north of Donovan Solano. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah, Tyro Tyro was a find. I think they got the Yankees on that one. And I'm just going to bring this up as an example. It's one yeah. example. It's a small sample, so maybe this isn't fair. But we all wanted a name. We wanted mm-hmm. and and remember who did they come in famously second place for him because they come in second place with so many guys on the free agent market. They came in second place with Trevor Story. Mm-hmm. Trevor went and got a five year deal with the Red Sox. You have any home runs Trevor Story has this year? No, how many? I saw Christian Arroyo last night. <laughs> <laughs> goose, that's a goose, brother. Zippo, no home runs, four RBIs, a 230 batting average, a guy who's never produced away from Coors Field yeah. in his whole life. So I'm going to go back, and I, I know this, will, and, and as we do this pod, man, there are going to be times where this drives you nuts because it's going to feel like a catch-all. But the Giants brass is smart, man. They're not stupid. You're right. They know what they're doing, and so if they make a decision, there is a reason behind it. Have you ever heard them come to the microphone and not be able to explain themselves? It doesn't mean they're perfect. 
I think there are guys who they did want to sign who maybe didn't want to sign with the Giants. It's not the greatest hitters park, but um, they've they've maintained. We think our players are better than what the world thinks yeah. of our players, and they have a point. They're out of the gates and underway again. And and obviously the Rodon pickup, Rodon pickup, excuse me. I mean, he's been brilliant, and they're going to have to manage this throughout the year because his stuff has never been questioned. It's availability and health and. I'm I'm optimistic with what I've seen, obviously, by the pitching, but in just in terms of how they're dealing with him right now. So that's been an outstanding find, no doubt about it. How about this development? I know we touched on him earlier, but like Joey Bart was an afterthought for the Giants fans heading into this year. It was kind of like, ah, you know, Marco Luciano and, and Elliot Ramos. We'll see what them. Joey Bart, if you get anything, it's gravy. Maybe they need a catcher. To me, like this has been quietly the biggest development of organization, staff, and player all buying in and being under the radar. And now, boom, it comes out of the oven, and the guy looks like a totally different player. Well, I mean, I think often in sports, the stuff that actually moves the needle, um, you know, in terms of attention and zip and pizzazz is not actually what leads to wins and losses. Think about it in a football team. We got our fantasy league. We're talking about receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. Your team stinks unless you have an offensive line. Yes. But how many fans could even name the offensive line on their favorite team? Not right? Many. Just a bunch of big uglies with names on the back, and we're like, whatever, man. Just get in there and block mm -hmm. somebody. But that's the heartbeat, and that's a catcher. Now, I know Bart was the number two pick in the draft, and for a little while we have talked about him. But then we saw him, and he didn't hit any home runs. We were like, yeah. eh. Right? And Buster is a favorite and all that. But man, that is that is the that is the emotional and in many ways physical, mental centerpiece of the whole team. So mm -hmm. if he catches and he's able to sort of handle that staff and proof is in the pudding, look at their numbers, mm -hmm. he's doing the job there, then any home runs or offense or whatever you get, that's kind of gravy. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. And it just I, I love his demeanor too. I didn't really know anything about him heading into this year. He seems like he is a all business, very serious type of a dude. And I love when you know Radon's out there throwing what we all determined to be a gem. I mean, the guy's got Cy Young with show. He's like, you know, he really didn't have his best stuff tonight. Like, I love that about him. <laughs> yeah, like I think he did unbelievable work this offseason with the pitchers, right? Yes. You talk about, you know, Trey Lance is working with Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> I think Joey did that this offseason. He's like, let's get with those pitchers. And important, by the way, uh, that the Giants did, and I don't know what the guys all did during their lockout, but, you know, Alex Wood and Anthony DiSclefani, uh, you knew about Logan Webb. Those guys were signed early. They were signed mm -hmm. before uh, the, the the lockout. I think maybe maybe it gave Joey Bart an opportunity to do some homework um, because he does. He looks really ready to Doesn't handle he? this staff, and, and that can't be underrated. There's about four different occasions where I'm on my couch, like I'm, you know, Roger Craig hum baby over here, and I'm like, I need to go out and talk to this pitcher. And before I can even think it, he's jumping out of the crouch, and he's running out, just giving the guy a breather, right? Like, you either have that in you instinctually or you don't. And I don't think it came from the dugout. I think it was from within, and I, I just love that about him. I want to ask you this, though, Mark. We're talking about Farhan, the roster construction, the acquisitions. It's also Kapler and his staff and how they're working with these people day in and day out. 
Man, 107 wins last year was just magical. Stepping out from the shadow of Bruce Bochy, the greatest manager in Giants history, I thought it was almost an impossible task for anyone to try to accomplish. I feel more happy and more comfortable with Farhan as my guy and Kapler in that dugout than ever before. And I don't know if I'm just prisoner of the moment, but every time I hear Kapler talk, whether it's the Dubon situation, whether it's the handling of pitchers or whatever, I just, he gets it. He really gets it. And I and I, I love this guy. Where are you at with Kapler through oh, a couple man. weeks in I'm the all, season? I'm all in. I think he's crushed it. He's absolutely crushed it, especially when you go back to the press conference uh, upon his arrival. And in fact, let me take you back to even before that. Uh, one of the biggest displays of moxie I have ever seen in recent Bay Area sports is Farhan Zaidi at that time being a new executive and you knew he was ushering in someone post Bochi, mm. which is not easy, mm. right? You're going to replace Bruce Bochi. Some people at least feel like Boch was forced out. So Boch leaves. And now the Giants need to hire a new manager. And the Gabe Kapler rumor is out there. And I feel like fans across the Bay and beyond were like, don't you dare do it. He wasn't good in Philly. He's got this weird situation from L.A. Don't do it. And Farhan was like, I hear you. Okay, you don't want me to do that. We're doing it anyway. And then sat there and and answered all of the questions and a year later won 107 baseball games. Like, that speaks to why I'm so in on this group. They have a process. They are married to it with Sharpie. You can't talk them out of it. They believe in it. They execute it. And, and, And again, so far, so good. The other side to Kapler, though, is just sort of the way he's, like, leaned into the bay. Oh, I love it. I mean, the dude with his jeans and his bike down he's the Warrior games. It's like, right, he's going to the Dubs games. He's stopping reporters from Giants <laughs> questions so he can talk about the music that's on the loudspeaker. So like, that stuff just How about gets, the Chuck Taylors? Totally, I mean, man. Like, <laughs> he looks great. In San Francisco, man, we eat that like a bowl of oatmeal. Like, so, totally. I'm, I mean, you know, he's a good-looking dude. He's going to be the new Garoppolo in the Bay Area once Jimmy's finally gone. Good call. You know what I mean? Like, everybody loves dude. And so, yeah, he – I mean, Farhan said, uh, we've got great data that when someone gets their second chance at a job, Hmm. they've learned from their first time and things go well. Philadelphia, that's what happened here. And that's what happened with Bruce Bochy, San Diego to San Francisco. Yep. And, and yep. I thought he was a retread at the time. So well, I got another one in terms of like kind of zooming out, looking at the whole season. I think we're in for an incredible summer. It ain't just Giants Dodgers. I think we've got a love triangle going here or a hate triangle, depending on how you look at it. Dodgers, Padres, Giants. Uh, This has got good, the bad, the ugly written all over it. I'm ready, and I'm here for it. I'm ready for some new rivalry, and I think it's going to be a great summer for Giants baseball. Well, look, we're early, but the National League West is the deal so far because uh, I don't know if it'll last, but even the Rockies are playing really good baseball. Um, I looked at this, so – uh, at the start of play going into the last day of the Mets series, the Padres were nine and five, which was good enough for fourth place. <laughs> there were only seven teams in the National League with a positive run differential. Four of them are in the National League West. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are number one in Major League Baseball run differential. Guess who's number two? 
I'm sorry. This is number three. The Giants. The Giants wow. are number three. Last year, they were one and two. So we're only two and a half weeks in. But it, it has the look of everybody just picked up right where they left yes. off. And they might be the two best teams in baseball yet again. And uh, I, I, I'll take you a step further. I don't think it's just this summer. I think it might be the next three or four summers. Like, wow. These are the Padres' farm system is elite. The Dodgers are never going away. We've said what we've said about this Giants brass and their ability to put things together year in and year out. I think California baseball, uh, you know, is is going to be a thing for a while. I, I I mean, I hope the A's are still a part of it. They, they might not be in California, but California baseball is going to have a good run. Right now, I'm so here for all of it. I mean, just seeing Sean Mania staring down Mauricio Dubon after that thing that happened the night before with the bunting. I loved everything about it. And Machado, I I actually enjoy watching Machado. I didn't think I could say that out loud. He's just a stud, but I'm here for the San Diego SF rivalry on yeah. top of the main dish, which is Tigers Giants, baby. Well, come on. Last April, remember, last April. Oh, the Padres, oh, Dodgers, the new, big, moment. great, fancy rivalry, national TV every night. Yep. They hate each other. Mm -hmm. And the Giants were like, that's cool. You guys can battle for second <laughs> place. And, uh, and and then now you feel that that's back. And it's kind of like, okay, Padres, let's see if actually you are part of this party. And, uh, and yeah, let's make it a, let's make it a three-way rivalry, if you will. Nothing will ever touch Giants and Dodgers. But, but sure, man, all three of them, it's perfect. The three big cities. And uh, and their representatives, so that's a whole lot of fun. I want to I want to ask you this real quick too, uh, just because of everything we talked about, it looks like a pitching first team. Mm. Talk to me about fan interest, the state of baseball where everyone wants a little bit more pop. Mm. Um, can you be interested in a pitching first team? That's not going to score a lot of runs all year long necessarily. You know, I, I think for the casual fan, it's going to be late arrival. You know, think L.A. Dodger crowd like they'll show up in the sixth, seventh inning, meaning they'll show up around July. But I think for the baseball diehards, who doesn't love seeing a one two combo like Logan Webb and Rodon? And here's the thing. Once you watch Rodon. He's got this, this aura about him, the way he pitches. He doesn't pitch like normal baseball players. He's got kind of a football intensity to him. I think that he's got star potential in the Bay Area. I really do. I remember when Lincecum came like a comet. Now, he's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a guy. Lincecum and a pitcher being the, like the marquee dude, very rare in baseball. I feel like they've got that with Logan Webb and Rodon back-to-back -back in this bad boy. I don't know about the hitting necessarily carrying the day, but I think there's enough winning going on. Get in on it now. That's that's kind of what I'm telling people. Get in now. Yep, yep. And and by the way, on the hitting, you know, I remember last year they didn't necessarily start out with a whole yeah. lot of home runs, and then they finished by leading the National League. Giants have played a lot of cold weather baseball so far. As the sun starts to come out, I do think their offensive numbers will get better, but. Yeah, you got two or three guys at the top of a rotation that are owning a baseball team. We can get into that. We've done that before. We can do it again. I want to do something fun because I want to make you smile. This may or may not work for you here, Mark, all right? But I am going down the yesteryear, and I am going to pick a, a specific thing right now, and I just want to see you smile. If I needed a stolen base for my life, and I'm looking at the history of the San Francisco Giants, okay? Who's the guy that you think I would go with for a stolen base for my life? I think he's the most, he's probably most known 
for a stolen base, and it's not maybe who you think you would, like a Willie Mays or someone like that. What are you right. going to go with? Okay. Any giant one stolen base mm-hmm. for, for your life, and it's not who I'm thinking of. I mean, gosh, I might be stuck in just like recent years a little bit too much. Um, but, um, man is, um, I mean, some of the names that are coming to mind, Kenny Lofton is coming to mind. Good one. Dan Gladden is coming to mind. Willie McGee is coming to mind. Um, I mean, hell Barry Bonds was a good base dealer before he got really, really, really big. Yeah. Right. Who is it? All right. I'm going to go with Dave Roberts. Yeah, he finished with the Giants with two years to go. He's the Dodger manager. Isn't he most known for stealing a bag? Yankees, Red Sox that kept Hell them yeah. alive for their first ever World Series. You like that one? If I, I had do. one stolen base for my life, I'm going with Dave Roberts. I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, he, he did it once. And you know what? I'm okay with Dave. Uh, Dave's the uh, manager of the Dodgers, but he won me over. He won me over at Bochy's retirement uh, when he was there and he came walking in with all the ex-Giants for yes. Boach and Bonds grabbed his Dodger hat and <laughs> threw it on the ground. And instead of getting mad, Roberts laughed. I was uh, like, in that moment, I'm okay with you, Dave. Uh, I went to Boston, Giants-Boston. It's his first time returning to Boston. He got a standing ovation in a Giants uniform for what he did for the Red Sox. I thought you'd have a laugh there because it's not a traditional name, just a goofball way to end the show. Totally. Love it. All right. So episode one, we invite you uh, to subscribe to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys and the podcast feed at minimum two episodes a week because we'll get some emergency pods going in there as well. Next episode, Monday morning after the National Series, see if the Giants can wrap up this this, uh, road trip in a little bit more of a winning way. And then Get ready for the A's to come on over to 3rd and King. I am so fired up for it. Let's go Giants. Winners of three of the first four series. I'm feeling good about where this team's at. Let's rock and roll. I'm feeling good about doing this with you, man. Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, Episode 1, Garlic Fries and Baseball. Guys, we'll talk to you again soon.